Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. I can't believe it, but it's already October 28th, Julie. Where did the month of October go? Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Well, Leanne, we've been busy, I guess. I don't know. It's a, it's a busy month. It's a nice month. I'm always so sad when it's over because then it's November, which right. is dark and cold right. and rainy yeah. and yeah. start of winter. Oh, well, there you go. It's the start of one day a week watering in Southern California. So pretty much everything will die in my yard. <laughs> Which I guess is the point, but right. It's so that you can simulate winter like yeah. the rest of the country. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Going to be sad. Going to be sad. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. We have new listeners every week. We've been doing this for a long time. We're five real sisters who live all over the place. We connect a couple times a week. I'm the youngest sister of the five. Julie Dolan is my big sister. I didn't say oldest. There you go, Jewel. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop. We uh, cover a lot of ground. Sometimes we do serious news. Sometimes we uh, do not serious news and then sometimes we do no news at all. And uh, this show is a mixture of, of a couple of those. We are going to talk about Ebola because Julie Dolan, she's in all the hot spots, Dallas and uh, New York City this weekend. More from magazine land, Julie. More lessons to be learned from the magazines. Um, I'm outraged about a new parking space app. Join me, will you? Uh, <laughs> okay. You have tried um, some toast that you want to update. Yeah, I have a toast update yeah. because, you know, you and I are trying to bring back toast yeah. uh, uh, to the national scene because we heard that it was falling out of favor and we don't want this to happen. And then uh, we have picks and pans, but apparently you just have picks today, Julie. I That's exciting. Picks. That's good. So I've left room. Oh, one other thing. I have finally figured out our sister Monica. Okay. <laughs> I have some, I read some startling research this morning and all of a sudden I now understand our sister Monica in a whole new light. And I want to share that with you. Usually we leave the on-air psychoanalysis to Sheila, but it's excellent that you're here to provide that uh, today while Monica's not. So, um... So that's a full show. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk about Halloween. So, Julie, you snuck off once again to New York City uh, yes, just to, to go into Nana duty. What, what was the yes, situation there? Well, it all started with an exclamation point. Uh, let me explain. My son and his wife uh, and their adorable, gorgeous, beautiful newborn baby, Josephine, who is now seven weeks old. Okay. They live in Brooklyn, New York. And um, my daughter-in-law had a long-standing commitment to go to a wedding in Portland, Oregon, okay? Mm -hmm. And she, this is her best friend getting married. And so the plan was, uh, not that there was any consultation with Nana, but their plan was that they were going to leave the baby with my son in Brooklyn because the baby was really is too young to travel on a plane. Right. And my daughter-in-law... Uh, was going to go to the wedding, and that was the plan. Okay, so my son had emailed me this that this was going to be the plan, and he and he wrote. He never emails me, first of all. <laughs> right, that's what that, I, that was a, that was a clue. And then in the email, he said, 
it would be really fun if you could come exclamation point. Okay. <gasps> okay. So this is the thing. My son is, uh, he works now as an editor for an art magazine uh, mm-hmm. and he has very strong opinions about exclamation. Points. Yes. I just, talked to him about that. Yes, which you should never use one. I right. mean, there's only once in a lifetime are you allowed to use an exclamation point. So when I saw this in the email, I knew that was a grown man's cry for help, Leanne. <laughs> yeah, it was. You're right. I, I just had to book a ticket. I said, I, you know, that is a lot. That is a lot for a new dad uh, to be home alone three days, 72 hours uh, with the baby. Now, mm-hmm. uh uh, my daughter-in-law, she had consulted with her mother. She had consulted with her pediatrician, with her uh, uh, lactation expert. So, you know, when I arrived, and I arrived after Lauren had left left town, uh, she had it. She had it all organized. There were, you know, sheets with memos of, you know, you know what to do, various scenarios. Um, the refrigerator looked like a dairy case, Leanne. I mean, she had like pumped milk for I, I don't know how long. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to understand the three people left in the apartment that would be Will, me, and Josephine. We had really never been through a weekend like this. Yeah. Okay. The three of us. Okay. <laughs> Josephine, essentially a nursing baby that yeah. on a rare occasion had taken a bottle. Yeah. But the idea that she had like was that now going to be bottle fed for 72 hours, she didn't really get that memo. Okay. <laughs> or she didn't internalize it. You know what I mean? She didn't really <laughs> realize that. Will, excellent father. He is not one of these like, ooh, it's a newborn baby. I don't know what to do. No, he's very hands-on, very engaged, you know, really trying hard. And me, Nana, I'm really not that experienced with bottle feeding newborn babies, Liam. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I had I had breastfed my own children, and uh, my other daughter-in-law has breastfed her, her three children. So I hadn't really. I didn't have a lot of like hands-on experience, but what I had, Leanne, and you know, I actually was thinking a lot about our mom this weekend um, because you know that when we had our children, our mom came and helped us at various points in time, you know, when our kids were little. I know she came one time when my kids had the chicken pox and I was, I had to go back to work and it was, I didn't see how I was going to do it. And it was, you know, and that's, I I just was thinking about mom. Mom loved babies, you know that? And she was really, really good with babies. I mean, she had eight of them and her twin sister, Eleanor, had nine of them. So between them, they they were truly baby experts. I mean, there was nothing that rattled them. There was, you know, they found great joy and delight in everything associated with being a baby. And that, and so while I didn't really know exactly how the weekend was going to go. I just, I just thought, well, I was just thinking, trying to channel mom's enthusiasm, like no judgment. She did believe in schedules though. Yes, she she was a big believer in getting the baby on a schedule. Yes, yes. But getting the baby on her schedule. (laughs) Yes. We'll say that. Yes, yes. But that that's and you know what? Mom's right. Because if you read all the books, that's what they tell you. Like babies like schedules. Well, a schedule, but not necessarily her schedule. But okay, that's I just Okay, I hear just a, speaking of psychoanalysis, Leon. I hear just a tinge of uh, of resentment there. Did you not get a bottle at some point, or did no, you get no, woken with my up kids? From a nap? Like my gay tended to give my kids lunch when they were hungry, like okay. at eleven. But that wasn't lunchtime at Edna Dolan's house. Lunchtime was noon. 
Okay, so. you are totally ruining my story. Okay, okay go, 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 go ahead. Your own issues and baggage. Okay, okay. I'm just... <laughs> right. <laughs> Please, this is my my story. Okay. So anyway, that was what I tried to bring to it, and and it was, and you know, but we had some moments, Leanne. I, I just have to say, I mean, that, that's hard for a new for a baby, who you know, this was a new thing that she had to learn. Was right. like all nourishment is coming out of this coming from yeah this no that's you know? tough that's yeah tough. yeah I mean at one point I mean and you know there's like, babies. Like when they cry, oh my gosh. I mean, it's still like, I feel. Yeah, it rattles you. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, even though like it may only be 20 minutes or, you know, in one case it was 53 minutes, but that was, <laughs> but that was it. I, I thought I was going to lactate at one moment, Leanne. I just was like, oh, mm-hmm. please help me, baby. <laughs> and, you know, the more, you know, the more upset they got, the, you know, the, then she couldn't really couldn't do the bottle, but we, we worked it out, the three of us. And we worked very hard all weekend. There was like no downtime because we were, you know, she only liked one kind of bottle and we were sterilizing those and we were making everything ready. And we found that if we just kept her under, you know, like didn't let her get cranked up, that really helped. Okay. And that way, like, then she was a little, she was a little more relaxed. She didn't, she wasn't as upset and she, you know, I mean, she was the, the first couple bottles that she actually took. It was, as my son said, she, she looked like Joey Chestnut on Coney Island. She was like downing them as fast as she could. So, but we survived, Leon. We survived. That baby did it. She she drank everything in the refrigerator. There wasn't one ounce of milk. <laughs> Ooh, you got out of there just in time. No, no, no. She, she. I mean, there there was plenty in the freezer too. But she, she, she just she did it. Okay, we did it. And I think that even though I had very low expectations for the weekend, it actually it was. Um, interestingly a very bonding weekend for the three of us oh for, good okay. for josephine for will and for nana that's uh, that's what we did so but of course we're up there and lo and behold what happens Leon? ebola ebola comes to new york city okay could you believe that i know could I you know. believe that you it's following you around, Julia. I know. I, I, I anything, am a little but... like Typhoid Mary. I am planning a trip to Denver in the next month. So I'm just putting that out there. The city of Denver, you know, you, you know, the state of Colorado, you may want to get ready with your Ebola protocol. Of course, my son has been to this bowling alley in Brooklyn where the doctor, the Good Samaritan doctor yes. who had traveled to West Africa, that was treating Ebola patients, who came home, who did not have symptoms, but decided to go out and about in New York City and Brooklyn, you know, running, going to restaurants. <laughs> yes. And or as John, as John Stewart said, apparently the Sex in the City tour of, of New York. Like who does that much in the, in three days in New York? <laughs> he was out and about. Okay. And can I just say, is there anything more disgusting than the inside of a bowling ball? Land? No, or well, that? the inside of a bowling shoe. It would be. <laughs> I, I think, think that's this. it. I digress for just a moment to tell you that like when I went to North Korea, as you know, a couple of years ago, I went on a trip to North Korea. I spent five days in Pyongyang 
um, and it's one of the forced activities um, by the government of North Korea that we were forced to do. We went, had to go bowling, okay? Uh, it was some propaganda thing to, to make us think that everyone in North Korea goes bowls in their free time, which yeah. was okay. But I can which is a crock, we know. It's a crock. It's a crock. Okay. I can remember sticking my fingers into that North Korean bowling ball, you know, with my minders the North Korean minders watching me like you better bowl or something bad is going to happen to you. And I just thought, okay, this is the moment I am going to die by a bowling ball. You know, there's something, I mean, there's something so gross. I mean, that's it. It's a little dark hole, right? I mean, Oh, Oh, and in Brooklyn, you know, you know, they're eating, my son said, that's a big place. They have a lot of nachos there. So everybody eats nachos. And then, you know, then they stick their fingers after they've eaten nachos in the bowling balls. Oh, brother. Okay. Oh, I, I just, <laughs> so, but the thing is that the big difference, I do notice some differences about Dallas versus New York city in terms of how they reacted to the Ebola crisis. Of course, you know, I think everyone in New York was uh, learned some very important lessons after some of the mistakes that were made here in uh, Dallas. Uh, they certainly tried to give the appearance of being more on top of things. Yes. Yeah. They had all the political leaders. They were out bowlingly and they yeah. had, riding the subway, riding the mayors subway. on the subway, right. Running. I don't know what they right. highline right. the meatball shop, the meatball shop. I'd like uh, to go there. That. Yeah, they, they were doing that, the police escort, you know, for the ambulance. Okay, but here is the thing that I noticed is a big difference is when during the height of our Ebola crisis in Dallas, nobody else in Dallas actually thought we had Ebola. I mean, if you had a fever and you lived in Dallas, you didn't you didn't call 911 and think, oh, I have Ebola. Okay, yeah. but in New York City, they had to put out an announcement because there are so many New Yorkers sitting in those teeny tiny apartments, <laughs> taking their temperatures, and if they saw any elevation, they started dialing 911. And so they were getting thousands of calls of people who now felt like they indeed had gotten Ebola. Okay, so. Well, you probably feel like in New York, you could have had contact with that guy yes. at some point, like, because yes. you, you're just, there's so much, you know, germ it's, and it's disgusting. There. There's yeah. just liquids in weird places. And so there's a lot of spitting, yeah. right? There is a lot of spitting. Yeah. Just yeah. so, yeah. You, you know, maybe you just, you feel like even though it's a big city with many more people that you might've actually had contact with that guy. So right. <laughs> Dr. So, Dreamboat, basically. <laughs> that's right. So there we were, you know, with the baby um, in the apartment, uh, with the Ebola alert going on outside. And we decided during nap time to watch Contagion, Leon. Oh, gosh. That, be, yeah. that was really a fun weekend. So <laughs> so we had that going on. But I, I, I have to say that, uh, you know, I know there's now a lot. I don't know where you stand. Let me ask you, Leon. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on the quarantine thing? Uh, where, well, your... I feel like there could be some common sense self-quarantine when healthcare workers or people from East Africa, uh, West Africa return, uh, you know, some common sense quarantine stuff. I, I feel so bad for that nurse in that tent in the New Jersey parking lot. Like, that is crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so somewhere between that tent and 
bowling at the gutter. Like there's a little bit more common sense approach to that, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, you know, the thing is that I, I don't, I, you know, they keep telling the public, us, not to be alarmed. You know, they've got it under control. They understand the course of this disease. They understand how it's spread. And we just need to, tr- to trust all the doctors, the healthcare workers, et cetera. And I would like to do that. But he, the problem is that you ha- still have these, like, situations where, you have, you know, people that are out bowling. You have people that are getting, you know, healthcare workers that are getting on planes to go to bridal showers. You know, I mean, you have you have doctors that are going to pick up their takeout food. Mm-hmm. So I think there, we just, you know, we just need a little more control on some of this behavior because it's. I, I think the public will calm down. There'll be a lot less, you know, you know, uh, pointing fingers and a lot more, you know, uh, just sensible stuff. So, yes, they can do better than the tent in the parking right. lot. I mean, that but photo of that, that poor nurse. I, mean, I know, but the, but she had a temperature. You can understand that. that and if they had not done that, then, the, you know, it, people would have been pointing their fingers as they did um, here in Dallas about the hospital. Like, what was wrong with the hospital in Dallas that... You know, the man comes in and says he's from West Africa and has a temperature and they didn't immediately isolate him. Well, that's what that nurse was. Uh, she was she had a temperature and she was coming from West Africa. <laughs> had a tent in the parking lot. I well, mean, I know. I know. I just, you know, it, it, it just it seemed again, I think there's a I think there's a, a medium between riding the subway and the tent in the parking lot. But I don't think I don't think I don't believe in self-quarantines. I don't think people okay. can be trusted. I think they I think I, I honestly am just not that worried about getting Ebola. So well, I, I, I guess true. that's why I can't get all worked up. I just think it's all right. Well, shot. you haven't been. I have been in the Ebola epicenters, Leanne. So that's true, little, Julie. So good for you. But I am not. So. <laughs> I OK. I all just, right. Okay, smarty pants sister. No, I just, I feel like there's others, you know, just it's an issue, but it's not, to me, it's not a huge concern. (laughs) So I guess we differ on that. Okay, you'll be sorry. That's what I'm going to say. Thanks. That's nice. That's nice. (laughs) Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, okay, I went to an open house this weekend, Julie. Really moving on to a completely are, different topic. Are you moving or why, what are you doing? No, you know, house? just sporting and gaming and uh, and going to some open houses to be a looky-loo. And um, it was in the hood, a much better part of my neighborhood, though, let's be clear. <laughs> so, All right, so. now, Leon, did you go in and did you pretend that you were actually looking to buy the house, looking for a friend, or just did you admit? No, right- no, I always admit I'm a neighbor. I don't okay. care. Okay. Right. Okay. That's their job. They just want you to sign the piece of paper so they can tell the homeowners, oh, look, we had, you know, four dozen people through in the open house. So, and, you know, out here in California, it's a sport. In Southern California, like, it's a participatory sport. So, um, you know, that's, it's, you're, I'm fine. I don't feel the need to make up lies. Uh, sometimes I actually am looking for friends. And I said that once and I got dismissed by the real estate agent. And that annoyed me because actually my friend called me and said, can you go check out this house in your neighborhood? So now I just say I'm a neighbor and then I don't put my email address down. Uh, That's how I combat that. But Julie, this house was a big house, uh, 4,300 square feet, seven, seven bathrooms, seven bedrooms. Okay. Okay. I'm out land. I know. Well, and the really why you're out is uh, it was four full stories. 
it was sort of built, you know, on a, a slanted lot. So um, there were uh, there was a main floor, but there was a full sort of floor below the main floor. Uh, it was a basement, but it had a lot of natural light because of the slanted lot. And then there was a floor of bedrooms, a second floor, and then a third floor that also had like two bedrooms and two baths. So it was four full flights, a lot of stairs, uh, you know, a lot of half stairs. There was even like a separate maid's wing with another set of stairs. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of house, but here's what I went down into the basement and Mm -hmm. I have never seen this before. It was a, you know, completely finished basement with a three quarter bath. And as described in the description, a quote, professional laundry room featuring three washers and three dryers. There were really com- three complete sets of washers and dryers against one wall in the laundry room. Washer, dryer, washer, dryer, washer, dryer. I mean, it was like Sheila Dolan's dream house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like heaven. She could just tuck her in there and she could just why be the you- laundress. Why would you need that? Why? I mean, I that's mean- a lot of. I mean, did they have a lot of people, like, did they have guests? Is it a bed and breakfast? Well, it, that's what do- it could, you know, it did lay out like a bed and breakfast, but that's against zoning in our neighborhood. So no, it's never going to be a bed and breakfast. Like they have just two kids. I mean, I guess Barrick was speculating, maybe it's because there are so many stairs that when you go down to the basement to do the laundry, you just want to do the laundry. But I mean brand new washer dryers, washer dryer, washer dryer, washer dryer. I mean, Beric does the laundry in our house. I call him laundry man because on Sundays he just powers through it. And even he thought that was a lot of washer and dryers. I mean, are they like, was he, the owners of the house, are they Mr. Appliance King or something? I, I, Maybe I don't know. I have no idea. Business? No, I don't, I don't know. Maybe perhaps that didn't seem to be over appliance in other areas. There was just one refrigerator. So. I don't know, but that's, that's quite a, I, I don't know what the theory is there. But you, you have to find out what they're, what they're washing land. I, I think that's very suspicious. Yeah. Maybe it, they're really, may, I don't know. Maybe they literally wash the sheets every day or something. I mean, you have to have someone stationed in the laundry room to fully utilize <laughs> three washers and three dryers. I mean. Sheila would do that. Sheila would do it. I I know she's looking for new work. So maybe the family that moves in, she just, there's the maid section, which is very nice. And then she could just go right down to the laundry room from this. I just never seen anything like that. And Uh, you have to do some more background research to find out what they're washing. I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to. Okay. I mean, there that's suspicious. Land. It's that's very any, suspicious, right? Something is not right there. You I, know, are they taking in laundry? I don't. Oh, oh, don't could be that. Or are they? What else are they laundering? It are is they... a three million dollar house, so it's not. Again, it's in the better part of our neighborhood. So yeah, it's on for three million dollars. So my guess is, I, I don't know what my guess is. Maybe they do have someone in the laundry room full time. I don't know. <laughs> Never well, what are they, what are they washing full I time? Know. If I you don't... only have two kids, you can't, I, I mean, do you change your sheets every single day? I get, I... Every towel. I, I mean, but even that, you could do that all in one machine. I, I, again, I knew. Okay, so now. if you have a theory. Money? Okay. We I... need some theories on that. <laughs> I just don't understand. I think there's some criminal activity going on there, Liam. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. You got to find out, find out what they're doing. Okay. And what are they moving on to? 
More washer dryers? <laughs> <laughs> They're just moving into a laundromat. They're just maybe that a one story laundromat. <laughs> okay, we crack ourselves up there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Leon. Well, you know, there was some uh, speaking of criminal activity. I, I know you'll like that se- segue. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, I, we, there was a Martha Stewart was in the news again this week uh, because for the first time, I think ever that she really kind of opened up about what her experience was like in prison, <laughs> that um, she was at an event where Julianne, Juliana Depandy Rancic, as okay. we, you know, um, was doing an interview with her and at, started to ask her about what that, you know, what that prison experience was like. And, you know, she said, Martha said, it doesn't make you better and it could ruin you. It's a nasty, dark hole. Is what she said. <laughs> and then, but she did have one great quote. I don't have it in front of me. Can you do the sanitized version of it? Well, she used, she, she dropped the F-bomb. Lynn. Yes. I would Martha pay. Stewart like dropped the F-bomb. Yeah. yeah. And people loved it because she, I think to paraphrase, she said she, you know, she had a lot of like so-called friends or acquaintances that would say, oh, well, this will really give you time to think, or this may really, you know, be a changing, a defining moment in your life and her response was f that man yeah no i mean you know when they say what does not kill you makes you strong yeah martha's martha dropped the f-bomb she said you know but but you can tell martha you know has really worked through this uh you know she said that you cannot let prison life uh, prison define you that she said this quote unquote martha stewart i am a good person i am a creative person so (laughs) There you go. It's a lot of therapy there. I am a good person. Or denial. Just a lot of flat out denial. And that's how she's coping. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I had a... a, Go ahead, Joel. It's good that she didn't, you know, uh, she didn't gloss over it. Right. She said that it was a terrible experience. Yeah. You know, it was terrible. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't some personal challenge. Uh, So... Mm. All right. Uh, are we going uh, to magazine oh, land? Yes. No, 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 no. Did you want to do the toast update? I mean, because Martha was on my mind this week, Liam, um, I did I did experiment further, you know, because we are trying to this. Here's our update on toast that we're trying to bring back toast. And Martha had, uh, had you know, we you and I like toast with avocado. Very yeah. good. Right. Peanut butter, jelly. I like that. Honey. That's good. Plain old butter. Fine. Dry toast. Excellent. (laughs) It's true. Excellent. It's true. It's excellent. Excellent. But Martha had suggested that you take some kind of preserve and then put cheese, melted cheese on top. So I have been working with different combos, but I think I have now come up with a winning combo that I want to pass on to you. I want you to try it if you can. And I'm not sure you're going to be able to, because what I I did is I toasted some whole wheat bread Mm -hmm. and then I took some peach amaretto and pecan jam. This is, this is award-winning Texas blue ribbon, the state fair, peach amaretto and pecan jam. But look around. You might be able to find some in your neck of the woods. And then I topped it with a nice, strong English cheddar. Oh, pretty good, Liam. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was suspicious, but you said it's good. 
All right. Okay. So try that out. Okay, okay. But I think that's the right kind of jam. You just can't go with a berry, berries and cheese on this wrong. Okay. okay. All right. That's just a little toast, toast update. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Julie. And we now have people um, posting photos of their toast at the Facebook group. So that's good. All right. All right. It's well, going to become the new selfie, the toasty, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right, Julie Magazine Land. Um, okay, what's up? I have I got my more paper, Leanne. I learned le- so much last time, so uh, go ahead. All right, well, here I, I just have two magazine tidbits for you. Okay, this is from the latest issue of Self Magazine mm-hmm. that has Olivia Munn on the cover, who is just beautiful. And uh, okay, this is a new term I had not heard of before. You're familiar with just the term cleavage, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, and yes, then. And then the fashion world gave us toe cleavage. Correct. Yes. Okay. And now there's something called ab cleavage, Julie. And you know the bare midriff is making a comeback. Yes. But now we're not to call it the ab, to the bare midriff. We're to call it ab cleavage. Oh, gosh. I I don't really. We don't have that, Leanne. We do not have that. Now we're going to keep our shirts tucked in. We're going to keep our spanks on. (laughs) And yeah, I don't suggest that we embrace ab cleavage personally, but I just wanted you to know that term in case you see it. The next time you go to Brooklyn, you can just drop ab cleavage. When you're at the gutter bowling, just say nice ab cleavage. With my double gloves and my hazmat suit. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Ab cleavage. All right. All right. And then... I, I was shocked when I saw this uh, self magazine in the health news section, Julie, it's like, they're trying to torture you, the vegetable world. <laughs> okay. What is, what is it? Cause you've been out, outspoken guess. against kale. Yes, and then two weeks ago, you spoke out very strongly against Brussels sprouts and people are trying to turn you on to Brussels sprouts, but I you're know. having none of it. But you know what, Julie, there is a new vegetable just been developed, a healthy hybrid called kaleette. And it is half Brussels sprout, half kale. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes, Stop. Julie. Yes. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh, no. So. Oh, gosh. That <laughs> is it. What like, just... evil minds created that. It's available at Trader Joe and Whole Foods. And uh, they suggest just roasting it and then dousing it with balsamic vinegar, olive oil, <laughs> salt and pepper, and then just throwing it away. No, they... <laughs> Kaleette, which is a stupid name, everything about it. But I'm Mm going to try it because I like both kale and Brussels sprouts. Okay, I I would like further a further report on that, Lane. But you know, I'm never going to try that. No, but no, uh, I rather do the ab cleavage than kaleette. That's my goal for my next year. I'm just going to sport some ab cleavage. my ab cleavage is like a double D, by the way. I was... <laughs> That's the problem. Um, all right. this I had not heard of this. Uh, uh, and maybe and now we're taking a strong stance against it in California. So, But it's in other cities. And this is um, an app that uh, alerts people. It's called Monkey Parking. And it alerts people to uh, – if you're in a car and you're about to leave a parking spot space – you can go to the app, you can alert people that you're leaving your space on yes. such and such a street, and then you can sell that space to the highest bidder. 
Okay. Julie, this is all part of the sharing economy, you know, where we're oh. supposed I'm not really, I'm not a fan of the sharing economy. I don't want to. So instead of just pulling out, yeah. you are going to have some transaction, even though right. it is not your parking space to sell, but you were possessing it. And so, and how much are people paying for these? You know, I, it, you know, four or $5 for a parking oh. space, $20 in neighborhoods. This app is available in New York, Baltimore, and Chicago. It's in the same vein as the Uber or Lyft or Airbnb. Like, oh, okay, let's all take care of each other. But Julie, you're right. That is not your parking space to sell. Your house right. is your house to rent, you know? Right. You want right. to hire an Uber car, that's their car, and you're just renting it. But you don't own the parking space. So uh, I do appreciate that city councils in Los Angeles and San Francisco taking a strong stand against this. And what I I liked was the strong language because I feel um, this way sh- pretty much about everything that has to do with the sharing economy. I don't really want to share with strangers, you know. I you don't, you know, I, Uber Uber cars are the best things ever, William. Okay, that's I am. I don't I, trust. I don't trust the Uber car. I don't trust. I'm it. telling you, it's like a hundred percent cleaner, better than than a New York City cab. I, I would I I would I would never take a cab again if oh. I didn't do. Okay. I'm I'm totally into Uber. All right. Well, here's what our city councilman, Mike Bonin in Los Angeles said. We have a serious parking shortage here in L.A. and people seizing and using our public parking spots per private gain is wrong. This is theft masquerading as innovation. And we need to stop it before these predatory parking apps <laughs> makes the problem worse. Yeah. I, yeah. That is language I appreciate. You know, that okay. is taking a strong stance. Predatory but, parking I, apps. I, I'm just going to argue the other side, Leanne, because okay. I will say I will say that there is nothing more frustrating than driving around looking for a parking spot. But and that's the way it the is. City council <laughs> is trying to help me find a parking spot. <laughs> but if there is someone enterprising that has a parking spot, and for five dollars I can park there, which would be cheaper than the valet parking, or continue, you know, or putting it in a garage. Hey, I feel like it's a win-win situation. Really, okay? you don't see any public safety issues for the guy holding the parking spot that he doesn't own for someone and someone else comes along? Really, you don't foresee anything might go wrong with that? I mean, come on. <laughs> We're talking about an urban area where people are already tense, right? So well, Lynn, we're hanging you on by just, a thread here in you LA. You have the wrong attitude. You have to sort of reach out and share. Maybe if we all work together on this, then we, more people would be able to park their cars. There would be less road rage because isn't a lot of road rage. You can't find a place to park or you're tense about it or you have to put it in some you know, $20 an hour parking garage. That's no good. Okay. If you want to park on the street, woohoo, that's a big, that's a big win. Isn't it, Leanne? Come on. You know, when you can park your car on the street in LA and you it don't is. Have- It's exciting when you find yes. one, especially when you don't have to pay for it, when you're not being held hostage by the person who just happened to get lucky before and own the spot. I just, I'm not for it. I, I'm surprised that you Leanne, wants to lock up Leanne. all people with fevers. <laughs> for selling parking spots they don't own. Hey, you're in the land of the Rose Bowl. What does everyone in your neighborhood do during uh, during the Rose Bowl and Rose Bowl parade? They sell parking spots. Not everyone. The no, they don't. No, only Gene. <laughs> only one guy. That's how you, they don't. We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that. So occasionally there's one guy that makes some money off of it, but he's in a different zoning. Well, it's, it's Gene. He did blacktop over his backyard. <laughs> That's true.
20 bucks. Good for him. Okay. I I just say, why don't we try it for a while and see if people are happier with the parking. Okay. (laughs) And just wait until like the gunfights burst out. That's going to be good. Okay. Let me do that. I don't know, Leanne. I don't know. Hey, um, I have uh, two picks, Leanne, that I want to do for this week. You know, usually I do a pick and a pan Mm -hmm. uh, on Tuesday, but I have two picks, no pans. All right. The first one, these are not... These are not um, extraordinary works of art, but I think they're solid picks. The first one is if you have not read The Orphan Train. Have you read this book, Lane? No, but I, it's been recommended a million times on our Facebook site, particularly yes. for you because it's set in North Korea. So, yeah. No, 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 no. no. That's, a, that's another that's one. Another that's another one? Okay. Orphan Master's Son. Oh, okay. This is The Orphan Train, Lane. It's okay. by Christina Baker Klein. And what it tells us, I mean, it's a fictional account. But it tells uh, it's it tells the real story of something that happened between the late you know late 1850s through 1920s, where orphans on the east coast of the United States were all put on trains and they were sent out to the Midwest to be adopted by farm families in the Midwest. This is a true thing, a true phenomenon that happened. I I was not familiar with it. And this is a fictional uh, uh, account of one, you know, of of one girl, one orphan, and what happens to her um, in her lifetime. So, but it's, there is like sort of a hokey storytelling part about it but the core of the book uh, about you know her experience as an orphan and being on this train and being adopted by by a family and what happens to her you know um is really very interesting so i would recommend this book you should read it it's called okay. the orphan train the orphan okay train. okay so it's out in paperback uh um so if i wonder still- if it's an audible book i'll look that up Yes, look that up, Leanne, because that um, that's good. But it's a it's based on this. The inspiration for the book is based on this. You know what happened to abandoned children um, on the East Coast. Okay, so, okay. So that's the first one. My second pick is a movie. This is a movie that is going is it's heading directly toward to airplanes. I know, but <laughs> I want to recommend that you go see it. It's called The Judge, and it has Robert Downey Jr. in it and oh. Robert Duvall. Yeah. And Vera Farmiga, however yeah. you pronounce her name, and Vincent D'Onofrio is in this movie. Okay, and it's getting knocked because they say it's sort of a cliche, you know, there's too many cliches in this movie. I mean, it's 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 a courtroom drama, it's a prodigal son uh, story, uh, it's, you know, con- you know, coming home to his, you know, hometown. But I'm telling you, it's very emotionally involving, and it's really... Just brilliant performances. If you like Robert Downey Jr. or Robert Duvall, I mean, they are great in this movie. It's very, very emotional. And you will regret if you wait and watch this on an airplane because you are going to be sobbing your eyes out. Oh, really? Oh, yes, wow. yes, yes. So uh, it's uh, it's it's better than you think it's going to be, even though it's it's kind of predictable. It's not 100 You know, it's just so well acted that I think it really carries it carries it. And and a little cliches are all right, you know, now and then, don't you think? Yeah. I think so. Well, right, you so know, the, with good acting, you can overcome some cli- right, writing right, cliches. Right, 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 right. So those are those are my two uh, two picks for you, Leanne. Okay. That's, okay, that sounds like a good one for Barrick. I forced him to go see Gone Girl this weekend, which he hated. So he hated oh, that. Yeah, oh. yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, just the judge. Try the judge. Okay. It's solid. He may never go to another movie again with me after Gone Girl, but okay. <laughs> so. or, or I suggest you two just get some binoculars, get some night vision glasses, go over to this house. <laughs> And see what they're doing. What it is they're washing in those three washing machines. I don't know. Uh, Leanne, I, I, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal, and it, it I had a really aha moment, as they say. It made me think of our sister Monica, you know, because this was a story about the joy of cold, dark winters. Okay, certainly you know about seasonal, dis, you know, affective uh, disorders. This mm-hmm. is where people, where this is a real, for most people, you know, you get blue, you get down uh, during the cold, darker months. Uh, and for, for a very small percentage of people, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a critical problem that they, that, you know, they really have difficulty coping with the long, dark, cold winter. But there is a small percentage of people that have just the opposite happens, Lee, and they've, they've been researching people that actually prefer the colder weather and and you know and they like it you know their mood instead of being depressed during the winter months is actually elevated that the thought of cold and snow and and even darkness is actually exhilarating for them oh but and but part of it they're realizing is and that sometimes these people have a lot of difficulty in the summer months when it when the weather is warmer when, uh, and this was where it would keyed me in on our sister Monica is that that I, there might be you know allergy related too that people that have um, allergies during the summers might find the summer months much more difficult um, to to cope with ah, and you know our sister Monica is there you a have it. sufferer right so but and I feel like maybe her mood she does like the winter months and so possibly she is one of these people that where although she you know it's not like Monica hates the summer or anything like no, that. No, she seems to enjoy it. She was sad she, this weekend that the curtain had come down, so to speak, in the Northwest with the rain, but... But she doesn't like really hot weather. Like, no, that's, that's true. Like, that yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't, and she's very comfortable in cooler weather, and, uh, and uh, you know, so... I'm just, I'm going to do some further research on our sister, Monica. I, I, but what do you think of my theory? That's a good theory. Does this have a name? If it's not SADS, is it MADS it's, or what is it? Lads? Bads? No, they're calling it that summer, it's summer, a seasonal disorder. It's, oh. you know, so these are people that, you know, that real, it's summer sad is what they're saying. They're calling it. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be hearing from Monica as to... <laughs> But it was just the allergy thing. Yeah. Like if you really suffer from allergies right. all it's the summer, bad. Right. maybe you wouldn't enjoy the summer months as much as other people. And months where there are, you know, fewer allergies, you know, when it's colder, you know, that may be a more pleasant time. Your mood may be elevated. And uh, this is just okay. a, a work. I believe you. It's a working theory. It's going to get me in a lot of trouble. I think I I I have summer sads now. It's just been so hot and dry here. I just pine for for rain. Pine for rain. I can understand okay. why those people in the dust bowl went crazy, <laughs> going a little crazy. Um, all right, we got Halloween coming up, Jewel. Okay. All right. Are you ready, Lean? I know you've been posting some excellent photos. Yeah. The decorations going on at your house. I like the crows, Lean. It's They're a good scary. theme. 
they are real. I know it's 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 original. I don't. I mean, I don't. You don't see that at every single house. I mean, you yeah. see a lot of ghosts, monsters. You know, certainly jack o' lanterns, etc. But uh, the crows, they, they they have a menacing, evil effect. Yeah. yeah, and I have these two really nasty looking cats, and I think that's where I'm going next. More cats. I think if I was <laughs> more. More with a crazy crow and cat lady would be an excellent Halloween theme. You know, I've been going with the goth witch, but I'm I'm thinking of collecting some more terrifying cats. That that would also be good for my Halloween look. So uh, we're getting ready. I actually am having a party tomorrow night. My friend Andy is going to be visiting from Madrid. So I have a bunch of college friends coming over and we're going for the mashed potato bar, Julie. So I got to do the mashed potato bar tonight. Okay. Uh, make my pot roast and my ratatouille, and then uh, we'll have that tomorrow. And then I got to move very quickly into completing my Halloween decorations and uh, and getting ready for Friday night because it's going to be a huge night. It's a you know it's a Friday night, so we're going to have a lot of kids. I, I think it's going to be a blockbuster Halloween. Do you should, should you explain what your mashed potato bar is? Those that's that if, you're new, if you're a new listener. For a new listener, if you haven't been invited to Lean's house for Christmas Eve, you might not know what the mashed potato bar is. Go ahead, Lean. Yes, it's, it's basically you serve everything on, a ma- on mashed potatoes. So you make maybe a couple kinds of mashed potatoes or just one kind tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to go crazy. Uh, and you serve a little dollop of mashed potato in a martini glass, and then you can top it with different toppers. I like uh, the company pot roast by the Barefoot Contessa is a winner. Mm-hmm. Ratatouille. I usually have your shredded cheese, your bacon bits, those traditional toppers. Uh, but also I've done a seafood louis topper with salmon or shrimp or crab and a little bit of Thousand Island dressing. And the idea is that you you don't try to fill the martini glass with all those things like my in-laws <laughs> did the first time I served this. Um, I was like, you can keep coming back. The idea is that you have your martini glass and you try a little of the ratatouille and then a little more mashed potato and you try the pot roast and then a little more and the seafood. So it's kind of a winner. You don't need big plates. It's sort of an eat around thing. People can serve themselves. It acts as both appetizer and dinner. And maybe I'll just make some hot fudge sauce and then you can put that on the mashed potato for dessert. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Lynn. That's... (laughs) Might need a new martini glass for that. So that's what's happening. I think you should try to get some of that apricot, amaretto, uh, pecan preserves. That sounds good. Because that you could put on a mashed potato. Yeah, I had a peach and rum preserve recently that someone made and uh, that I bought at a farmer's market. And it was the same thing. It was just such a dynamic preserve. You're like, what can I put this on? It would have tasted good on a mashed potato. (laughs) So... And then we have a Halloween night. And then, Julie, then we have a Halloween party on Saturday. We were invited to. So Woo! I have to find a costume for Barrack. Okay. What are you guys going to go at? I tried to talk him into going as Ichabod Crane from Sleepy Hollow. Okay. That's good. <laughs> he was not. In- your husband isn't a natural costume dresser. I mean, no. he's a lot like my husband. Like yeah. That- you say costume party, he's out. He I know. I want to go. He yeah. de- I, de- I delayed as long as I could, even asking him. But they were <laughs> was like, okay, I have to. I have to ask because I'd like to go to the party, but it is like costumes mandatory party. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to. I've said. got an idea, Liam. What? Oh, idea. Yeah, no, go for it. Okay. Uh, Black is the new orange. Have you seen this series? No. Oh, oof. okay. Well, you can, but I, you know, but everyone them. else in the world has. Liam. Yeah. So go get two orange um, prison outfits. Okay. <laughs> and then two wigs. That's it. And you'll go as. Maybe you should watch one episode and then you'll you'll understand. Okay. 
You know, the you only problem with that is this is the type of party where there's likely to be writers from the show at the party. I think they the would party. be. That's I think the problem. They would be, I think they would be really okay. flattered that you selected their show. Okay. Come on. It's easy. It's comfortable. It, it would, is, that's, I'm thinking. It com- is comfortable. It is. And, and, and your husband would look adorable within a wig, Leanne. So. <laughs> I couldn't get him to go. With the 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 Revolutionary oh, War jacket and the ponytail, I thought that was a pretty simple costume, and he wouldn't go uh, for it. Oh. I might just get him a hat. What do you think? I don't know. No, that's a loser costume. Now you got to work on this a, a little harder. You're in the land of cre- you know creative know. talent. There, I'm just I trying mean, to do one thing at a time. I got mashed potato bar. I got the crows, and then I have Saturday to work on the actual costumes. For okay, Saturday just night. Google black as the new orange. No, I know what it looks like. It's an orange. I've never seen seen the press so, i just don't know where i'd find an orange jumpsuit I'm I, sure. I, I, that's you have a phone that's, a, you, you, that's okay all right that's, again you're in the land of costumes Lena. i know no i know i know i know we could go rent something great but he's just it's very tricky it's a very tricky situation julie i'm sure you can imagine medical supply store to get the orange orange uh jumpsuit oh actually just scrubs and being a doctor that's good I always wanted to be married to him. No, that's, everybody's going to be Ebola. You got to, you got to do something. That's true. Everyone will be Ebola. No, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, what are you guys uh, doing? Anything? I am, I'm going over to my grandchildren's house here in Dallas for, um, for Halloween. So this afternoon, actually, uh, they've done the, quite a bit of decorating already. We've, they've got ghosts in their front lawn and they've got, they've got their pumpkins and, uh, but I, I, I'm not wearing a costume, but I am going to go to a party supply store. I want to get one of those, um, necklaces that light up, you know, pumpkin <laughs> necklaces to hand out the, yeah. <laughs> Come on, it's fun, and then I'm going to hand out the candy. Leah. Okay, that's good. No, that's okay. good. What do you want? That's not what, what I expected you to say. What did you? What did you say? I'm going to wear an orange jumpsuit. I don't, yeah, I no. don't know. No, I'm not going to know. No, I'm just handing out the candy. I don't want to scare the little ones. You know, I like happy Halloween. No. I don't like scary Halloween. Mm. Okay. So I thought a nice little blinking <laughs> necklace would be good. That would be good. All right. Well, it's a busy week then for us. I can see. Uh, all right. I don't know what else is you doing. Anything else? I mean, I'm busy, so uh, I got a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on. Yeah, you better. You can't talk anymore. Come on, you get to work on the. I got to edit. Go to deep water workout. I so I am busy. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, I mentioned Audible earlier. You know that Audible deal is still going on. If you want to try downloading an audio book, it's a it's they're fun. They're easy. If you're filling commuting times or if you love listening to podcasts while you exercise, try an audio book. We have a special URL that will get you one free audio book download and a 30 day trial at Audible. That is audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Uh, thanks to everybody who's done reviews on Stitcher and iTunes. Fantastic. Uh, Great to see our show still in the top 100 shows on Stitcher, which is good for us because uh, I like it that um, we're beating out uh, the dinner party download and meet the press. Like, (laughs) this just makes me laugh. (laughs) So, yeah, we're one of the very few female-driven shows on that list, and I think the only female-driven show that's not about sex. So, um, there you have it. And then... uh, 
Uh, you can always join our Facebook group, of course, or go to our website, SatelliteSisters.com. All right, Julie, have a fantastic week. You too, and a happy Halloween. Lady. Thank you, Julie. Thanks. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.